0: Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today I have Allie Norrell on the show. Allie was born in Maidstone, Kent, in the southeast of England. She holds a degree in English and European literature from the University of Warwick and speaks Italian, French, and German. Although she has loved to write since childhood, Allie came relatively late to authorship and her debut book, The Truth Inside. It is a memoir following the death of her youngest daughter, Romy, in July, 2014. Allie believes strongly in the power of intuition and the direction our lives take when we follow these instincts, and often explores these themes in her work. She lives in Brighton with her husband, three children, and two cats. And today I'm excited to welcome you, Allie, to the show. Thank you so much, Amy. It's uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So the thing that you don't mention in this is that you're also a medium, which is what makes this book, I think, really unique. And I loved the book. It was real. It was raw. It was honest. And I think as a medium and a healer, it showed that even with a very, very powerful belief system about what happens when we die, there's so much human process you have to go through when you lose someone you love, particularly, I think, a child. Sure. So can you tell us, normally I just jump into questions, and if people want to hear the story, they can buy your book, which I strongly recommend. But can you tell us kind of briefly your story? Sure. So as you mentioned, um, I'm a medium. I would use that term
1: to describe the ability I think that I have. Although I will say from the top that um, number one is I I don't work with this professionally. Um, I never have. I don't expect I I ever will. And I'm also very open to any explanations about what it is that I think that I receive. Um, But I spent a lot of my adult life developing these mediumship skills. I I just started with an interest. I was brought up to explore an interest in life after death. Both of my parents had had different experiences uh, very interestingly, my my sister I'm very close to my sister. She's two years younger than me. She is a nurse, and I would say that she is a um, an open-minded skeptic. I know she's had experiences because she works with the dying at times, um, but she's kind of like, oh, I don't know, is it any use? Prove it to me. So I did come grow up with that in my background, and I was developing that really all the way up to having my children. We have three other children. Romy was our third child of four. Um, I also worked, qualified as a healer and I worked as a birth doula and I worked as a reflexologist helping uh, couples with fertility issues. I kind of put it all on hold to have my kids. I wanted to be at home with my kids um, but it was always a part of my life. I've always sort of talked to the spirit world either in my head or just in my daily life and I think what happened when we had Romy she was four months old when uh, when she died, she had a brain hemorrhage. It's a very sudden, sudden passing. She was kind of on my lap one minute. um a few hours later, she was unconscious and within twenty four hours she'd passed.
0: And pretty, I mean, that's pretty uncommon.
1: yeah, I, I guess so. I right. mean, it's it's one of those things, right? because um since that happened, to us as a family obviously then you encounter other people say oh that happened to my Mm -hmm. friend's cousin or but yeah sure I mean when that happened to us I you know we obviously we were in shock for all sorts of different reasons but I do remember thinking well well, what you know we're at the hospital and we were people were trying to explain to us what's happening and we just couldn't we couldn't grasp it and um the uh the neurosurgeon that we um were given at, uh, at King's College Hospital in London which is a fabulous hospital he was an American guy actually and he was phenomenal and I remember him saying, like, I just I can't really explain to you what's happened here. It's something a bit like an aneurysm, but it's so sudden and so intense, so overwhelming that we can't even pinpoint the source of it. So we, we, we never, we've never categorically been told exactly what her cause of death was. But obviously it was a hugely shocking experience. And I think what happened to me afterwards is what I imagine happens to uh, many other people of faith when they lose a loved one or perhaps when they lose a child. Some people go towards that faith and it, it heals them and it helps them in a big way. And I think others uh, succumb, as I did, to the kind of the anger part of your grief where you just, nothing makes any sense and you're angry that what you've believed for so long um, isn't giving you any answers. And I guess mm. I had the um, the added difficulty... Uh, having worked for so many years with with mediumship and developing my mediumship i was uh, i was asking myself what i imagine a lot of people who perhaps haven't read my book yet might be asking which is like if i have these skills how did i not know that this was going to happen to my own daughter and to myself mm-hmm. like, how did i not see this so i shut the door on it all i just um, i didn't want to know um at all and I think what I feel makes The Truth Inside a little different to other books in its genre is that not only did I turn my back on it, so I wasn't sort of pursuing a connection with my daughter from the off, but things kept happening. Um, So things kept happening in my home. I I would experience things. My husband would experience things. And eventually I found my way back to a spiritualist church. And then over time, um, you know, a handful of mediums, I probably saw about five or six over a three or four year period. And uh, what started to happen is these mediums and the mediums that I saw at spiritualist churches were giving me detailed descriptions of what I had experienced myself in my own home. So I was already questioning Mm. those things. I do that anyway, Mm -hmm. certainly even as a medium when I'm working, um, when I have somebody and I'm doing a sitting or something, I will always question Privately, what I'm getting before I give anything, and I questioned these things with my daughter. I thought, okay, I'm grieving. I, I, maybe I've gone completely insane. You know, this isn't really. I'm, I'm hallucinating. I came up with all the excuses that a, a skeptic would come up with, and then you know, I can't explain why. But I found myself going back to the spiritualist church that I said I would never set foot in again, and this woman who had never met me before. Uh, suddenly started to tell me about my daughter and to give me um, a quite extraordinary message, which was a message of two words in the end, two words that really made me sit up and take notice. And and that was the start of it all, really. And the more that these corroborations started to happen, the more I started to think, you know what? Not only am I getting my belief system and my faith, if you like, back, not only is it helping me to find some purpose in my life and to feel positive, I think it's also showing me that my daughter exists somewhere just as I kind of always thought and hoped that she did. And uh, obviously, eventually, that brought me to the point of, do you know what, if this could help one other person or couple who's in the position that that we were in, you know, where you've you've buried your own child, and, you know, the most common phrase you hear from people really is, you know, I can't imagine what that's like. And I'd say to anyone, right. you can imagine it, but you don't want to. You don't want to. Every yeah. bit as awful as you imagine it to be and more. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just thought, well, if I can write this stuff down. The scariest part was putting myself out there because people quite close to me in my life sort of didn't realise the extent to which um, I had an interest in this area. So that was quite scary. But the personal side of it didn't scare me. And I just, because I was driven by this this idea that I wanted to have a legacy for Romy and to have her name known. And also by this idea that, you know what, maybe I could help somebody, you know, because I was Mm -hmm. looking for a book like The Truth Inside, when I was recently bereaved, and I struggled to find one.
0: So your experience with mediums was really just a validation for what you were seeing and not accepting?
1: On many occasions, yes. Um, Obviously, alongside that, I had all sorts of other (laughs) exciting and interesting information. One lady did, in fact, tell me that I would write a book before I wrote one and that I would go on to write more, which at that point I didn't think was going to be in my future so that's mm-hmm. interesting and again I am completely open to the idea that you know she suggested that and I did it you know it's like I can't my point has always been I can't I can't argue I don't use the words evidence or proof because I don't believe that you can prove anything that comes from the spirit world to somebody who is adamant that they don't want to believe it and I respect that mm. you know we all mm-hmm. have' a, we're all entitled to our own beliefs so I don't want to I was very careful when writing the truth inside that I didn't want to be banging people over the head with um, my truth, and you know, mm-hmm. have one of those books which is like, "You've got to see the light, everyone. This is it. You know, you're all missing out if you don't believe what I believe." No, if you don't wish to believe it, that's that's absolutely fine by me. This is what helped mm-hmm. me, and I'm passing on my experiences.
0: Well, and I think what was so beautiful in the book was not only, well, first of all, you're a beautiful writer, Thank you. but not only the experience of it was like the parallel paths, which I so appreciate, you know, as a psychologist, but also a medium who practices similarly to sure. you. Like if I get messages, I'll give them to people, but I'm not out there, sure. you know, with a shingle. But that there was sort of the, the spiritual path. And there was the real psychological path of the the tremendous grief and also the struggle in your marriage and the struggle with your children and the struggle in your life and all of those things that just because you believe or don't believe this, you know, when you do believe it, it doesn't make that peace go away. No, absolutely.
1: Um, That was important for me. And actually when I, um, when I spoke at the launch of my book some months back now, I, that was something I was very keen to get across in the beginning. It's like, look, please, I'm not standing here preaching. You know, I don't want to be saying, well, and and you know what, because I'm a healer and I'm a medium, you know, this, this is, you know, this is a positive experience and you too can have a positive experience of grief. You know, I didn't, I really didn't. I, um, I got about as low as I think it's possible for somebody to go with my Mm -hmm. grief. I'll be frank because I've written it I you know if it weren't for my husband and my at that point two surviving children I really don't think I would still be here I didn't want to be mm. here at some points it was so bad so no uh, those uh, those spiritual beliefs and everything that I had spent you know the best part of 10 years pursuing and studying for a, a period of time did nothing whatsoever for me and I think that was part of my learning experience, actually. I think I needed mm-hmm. to go there.
0: So in your book, you talk about this concept, which we're going to veer off a little bit here, sure. of conscious conception, which was fascinating to me. I feel like it could have a whole podcast on conscious <laughs> conception, but what was your, what is that exactly? Um, okay. How, so, how uh, did that manifest in your life? Because okay. it, it really did. <laughs> it re- I really believe that it did. And I,
1: I do feel the need to state that this has nothing to do with conscious uncoupling. <laughs> I,
0: <was>
1: like, <laughs> I read that phrase in your questions and I thought, oh no, um, uh, no, it's, it's not that. So conscious conception, I had actually read about during my time as a reflexologist and a birth dealer, as I've mentioned, working a lot with couples who wanted to conceive. And I became very interested in the idea that you can ask a soul or a spirit or a being to, uh, to join you um, and in a pregnancy. And I'm fully aware of how completely left field this sounds. But I also really believe that I had direct experience of that myself, specifically with both of our daughters, oddly. Um, I, with our, um, with our older daughter, Layla, she's, uh, she's 18 months younger than our, our, our first child, so quite a close gap between them. And I do remember discussing this, uh, coming home, being very excited and discussing with Darius, my husband, like, oh, I've been reading about this thing called conscious conception where, you know, you ask a child to come to you and join your family. And I've been reading a book that I would love to mention, uh, to your podcast actually by, um. It's by a guy called Walter McKeishen. I think that's how you pronounce it. M A. I think it's K I C H E N. And in fact, I believe he passed in about twenty fourteen or fifteen himself. But he wrote this book uh, called Spirit Babies, and he was um, Hmm. a spiritualist medium. He's either American or Canadian, and whichever way I pick, I'm going to offend people. So so, (laughs) I I know he wasn't British. Um, Somewhere in North America. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. He was an extraordinary man because he worked a lot with couples who were struggling to conceive and also with women who had perhaps had terminations younger in in their younger years and were feeling dreadful about that for whatever reason. And he claimed to be able to see the number of children that it was possible for each woman to have in her aura. So he would see them as Mm. orbs. In your aura, and so he would clarify this by saying, you know, you could have like twenty orbs in your aura. It doesn't mean that you're going to have twenty children. It means that you have the potential for that for any of those souls to become your child in this lifetime. And he said, you know, most commonly he would see maybe two, three, or four around a woman, and uh, that would help him to understand. And he would go into past life regression and ideas of um, our connections. With these, um, with these other spirits before, and the idea that maybe we had some kind of plan or contract between us, where let's say I, he had, has lots of case studies. So in the book, I remember reading one a story about um, a woman who had been struggling to conceive, and she kept having this sort of repetitive dream about being in battle, and then she had a dream where she dreamt she saw this child saying, "I'm not ready." it's i'm not ready yet we haven't healed our wounds and it turned out that there was a whole story connected to a past life uh where she had been brothers with this particular individual and they'd fought and somehow ended up one had killed the other and it was agreed between them that in this lifetime he would reincarnate as her child but because she mm. hadn't reconciled some of that or there was something there was an echo of that in her current life you get where I'm going with it. Right. So mm-hmm, this idea mm-hmm. that, you know, we there are soul contracts involved. There are past life involved. But more importantly, that uh, you can communicate with your unborn children. And he says that, you know, a couple can do this. It's not just the woman, it's the man. But obviously, it's more powerful for the woman because we're the ones who are going to be the vessel to carry that child, at least up until the present day. That's how it is. Um, Who knows (laughs) what's going to happen in the future. So that's what we kind of did when we kind of half-jokingly said, well, let's try it. And we did, I have to, full disclosure, I mean, we did feel really stupid. You know, you're kind of like, you're sort of, starting to get intimate. And then you're like, Ooh, you, you know, what are you imagining? You, you know, but I, I, (laughs) it was a bit weird. And it's, um, you know, there was a lot of kind of giggling going on like, Oh my God, this is so ridiculous. What are we doing? But I have to say, if I can say in a discreet way, during the night that I clearly remember that, um, that Layla was conceived, I do remember feeling really odd, directly afterwards. And I did turn to my husband and say, I'm sure mm. I've just got pregnant. I was kind of dizzy. I felt physical symptoms, but I also felt at a certain point, I can only describe it as I felt that another person had come into the room with us, which was a little unnerving in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what it felt like. And, um, you know, if you, you also obviously work as a medium, it's a similar feeling to when you have a connection with somebody in the spirit world. like so mm-hmm. the presence and i felt that and i was pregnant i did get pregnant and it's it felt really that felt empowering to me you know despite what you may believe about some of the other things it, it felt incredibly empowering and incredibly exciting to me to to think my god i just asked this person and and here
0: they are you know it's um and my daughter you know that and and what would what would the explanation be for for people, for women who have a hard time getting pregnant or who can't get pregnant is that they don't have those orbs in their field? Because I feel like that would be really frustrating if you were someone trying to get pregnant and you feel like you've asked, you've welcomed, you know, you've you've done everything in all realms. Like, how does that get explained? I from what I can recall of this book, it's explained by this
1: is how this, this guy would then work with this woman because he would start to talk to her about, well, look, let's go back. Have you had a term? And actually, I had a client like this myself once who had had a termination, her current partner, and she had been like childhood sweethearts. She'd become pregnant at the age of sort of 15 or 16 and had a termination. And then they carried on together. Uh, she was like, like 29. They got married. They wanted to have a baby. She could not get pregnant with this guy. And she was just so frustrated. I remember her coming to me constantly in tears. Um, She was one of my first ever clients. And I remember I had this really strong feeling that she might have had a termination. At that point, it wasn't appropriate for me to ask her. But at some point, Mm -hmm. she she raised it as a comment. And I said, you know, do you feel like in any way your feelings about that might be impacting Your feelings about becoming pregnant. And this was really emotional for her. And I I had to tread very carefully because I'm not a psychotherapist. So I asked her Mm -hmm. if she was having counseling. I tried to kind of direct her down that way. But it was very clear to me in that moment that there was some unresolved, you know, basically she was holding her guilt around her like a shield and Mm -hmm. nothing was going to get in there. You know, she was Mm -hmm. telling herself on a subconscious level, I don't deserve to
0: have a child.
1: And of course she deserved to, you know, we all have free will we all make choices in different situations that you know we may not agree with later in our lives but that's the that's part of life and learning and you have to learn to accept and forgive yourself for those things and she did go on to get pregnant and have two children with her husband Mm. Um, so I found that fascinating and I think similarly I think to address your question he addresses it really well in the book because he gives a whole raft of case studies about women in different situations and I don't think it was ever a case of oh well sorry <laughs> there's no orbs in your aura I think a one there was but that was something to do with the fact that he had he felt this woman had somehow <clears throat> made a contract that in this mm-hmm. lifetime she wanted to live her life without children and in fact when she mm-hmm. went into that in more detail she became she came to realize that actually her purpose didn't involve children and she made her peace with that so I don't mean to sound glib because obviously I've worked with women who are struggling to conceive, and I know how desperate that situation can be. So I would never uh, want to come across as sort of brushing it off as oh well, you know what, you just decided in another life that you didn't want to do that. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. But but I would encourage anybody actually who um, is experiencing difficulty around conception. To read Walter Mckayshen's book uh, *Spirit Babies*, it's it's a really beautiful book. Actually, I used to refer a lot of clients to it. And, um,
0: well, and I think what it speaks to, what your book speaks to, what all of this speaks to, is that you cannot separate our psychology from our spirituality, right? right. Like they are yeah. they are completely intertwined. And to really be spiritual, you have to be able to look inside yourself. Yes, Allah. The truth inside.
1: Yeah, I think that's <laughs> yeah, I think that's an exceptional point. And I can relate to that in the sense that I, I talked about my grief in that way a lot in the early days. And I can remember saying to my husband, you know, on a spiritual level, I completely get it. You know, I can almost get to the point where I say, I'm at peace with it. I understand exactly Big, what happened here and why
0: I feel that I had some kind of say in it. This was a contract. My husband and I Right, because those me. are all your belief systems. Yes. I mean, you believe in past lives. You believe in soul contracts. Yes. You talk about that in the book and how, right. you, how you've how you come to use that to understand. Absolutely. And how some of it, when you kind of look in retrospect, made sense. Yes, yes, very in much In a lot so. of ways. Very much so. But at the
1: same time, you know, I was saying to him, and it was very obvious to people around me who loved me, that on a human level, I I couldn't. Cope with it at all. I was angry. I was, I was devastated. You know, I was, I was everything you could imagine that human grief is. I was, I was feeling it and exhibited it. And uh, I'm trying to I don't know who was it. I will come back to in a minute. Oh, hugely famous spiritual author. I quoted him actually in a talk that I did. Made exactly that point that actually, on a spiritual level, death is a very sacred thing. And we all have an understanding of it because we are all one. Um, Eckhart Tolle, Mm -hmm. that was it. Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yeah. How could I forget his name? (laughs) But on a human level, it's devastating. You know, we can't Mm -hmm. escape that. Doesn't matter how spiritual you are, you're going to have a sense. You know, it does happen. There's that duality. That was really Mm -hmm. um, strong for me, that realization.
0: So... Last question is, how has Romy come through to you? And why do you feel like sometimes you don't feel her presence as strongly? This was pretty powerful in the book in terms of her little soul that she is.
1: Yes, she's come through in a variety of different ways. And at one point, the activity felt quite frequent, quite intense. And I think that was when my grief was at its um, toughest point. But having said that, um, I would say that now... The sense of her permeates more. I have flowers that I have on my desk where I write. I buy her flowers every week. And when I put the flowers there, they buy her photo and I talk to her. So I, I feel that I um, maintain this connection with her. Some of the drama, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm at the moment, I don't feel the need to visit mediums or go to spiritualist churches. That's not something that
0: I feel the need to do right now. So that side of it. And she was four months old. Just, I don't, yes. I don't think you said that, but no, she was four right. months Thank old you. when yes, she died. She was four months so. old. So... Um, you know,
1: and again, I totally appreciate that some people's questions may be like, well, hang on a minute. She couldn't even talk. How can you get messages from her? And I do believe that, you know, when we return to wherever it is that we come from, source, the spirit world, heaven, whatever your your terminology is, I believe we then become spirit. And so the communications that I've had from her don't often involve, you know, having a chat. Well, the most recent actually was was Christmas time last year. And my husband had taken our three children out for an hour to let me get on with, um, it was Christmas Eve, I think I was getting on with some uh, food prep or something. uh, I just happened to walk past our living room where our Christmas tree was. We had a huge Christmas tree. And as I walked back towards the kitchen, I just saw just from the corner of my eye, it looked like a child running past the door. And I knew my kids Mm. weren't in the house. And I had this sense of knowing immediately. And I just said, that's you, isn't it? I know that's you. And she wasn't a four month old baby. It was, you know, she was the height of a five, six year old girl, which is how old she would be now almost. And I just knew. And that's what I hear from a lot of other people who feel that they've had experiences or connection is that you you just know. You know, if I hadn't had that knowing, I would have thought, oh, I've just seen something. Oh, that was one of the cats. I saw something out of the corner of my eye. No, I know I saw my daughter just briefly. And I feel that Mm -hmm. um, I've always had a strong sense that she may help me with my work in some way I'm not quite sure how that would happen but I do remember very early on saying I have a feeling that I'm not going to hear from her or see her so much now until we get to the point at which she would have turned seven which is another year from now so I'm saying that now who knows I may be wrong I you know I'll see what happens but I have a sense that if I pursue you know my healing work or anything like that that maybe I may get a, a connection with her around that mm-hmm. time. But I don't feel bereft in any way because because of the previous experiences that I've had and because of what I believe. I just, I believe that she's not lost. I believe that she exists somewhere that's kind of, in a sense, parallel to the world that we're in. I believe she's in a better place than we all are. And that is very comforting to me. My children, my daughter in particular, they've all had little experiences that they've mentioned. And we talk mm. about her often and we You know, she has her own little garden in our garden with a bench with her name on and rose bushes. And so we keep her memory very much alive. And, of course, the book for me, The Truth Inside, was her legacy. And uh, even as a result of that legacy, you know, the proceeds from both of my book launches, uh, we set up um, a foundation in her name to help girls from the untouchable caste in India go to school, which they can't do. Uh, There's no way they can go to school and learn. And and that felt – we waited four years to – find the right opportunity to honour her in that way. We wanted very much to have some kind of charitable interest or to be donating, you know, that, that sense of, you know, we would have bought her Christmas presents and birthday presents. What do We, we want to put that money somewhere. And, and that was the thing that we wanted to do, to pay for mm-hmm. girls to, uh, to learn and to study. Um, so, you know, we keep her alive in lots of ways. And she's in my heart. And um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know what it's like, right? As a mother, if you've created and carried that child they're never apart from you ever, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't, it, you you know, you're never separate. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that's, um, that's positive for me.
0: So beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And the book is called the truth inside it's on Amazon and everywhere else that books are sold. I'm assuming. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Okay. And if people want to find you where, where, can they look? Uh, they can. I have a website, uh, which is uh,
1: Ali That's a l i n o r e l dot com, mm-hmm. and uh, you can find me. I'm not. I'm not brilliant at social media. That must be an age thing. But I am on Facebook. I have a an author page, Ali Norell Author, on Facebook, so you can find me on there or message me on there also.
0: Okay, perfect. And I'll have all those links as well in my show notes, so people can reach out to you if they've. You know, I think particularly for people who've lost sure. a child, it's just like you said, it's it's the worst thing we could possibly imagine sure. as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thank you for sharing your beautiful words, for sharing Romy with us, because it's it really is such a beautiful, beautiful story. So I'm grateful.
1: Thank I'm you, grateful Amy. that we connected. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much.
0: You too. Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.